Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 5, verses 21 to 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said... Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, you should have a question for me. After hearing that text, what is your question? <laughs> really? Uh, if you're new to Genesis or if it's your first time, uh, you need to know that we follow what's called the Revised Common Lectionary. And so what that means is we have a very limited choice spectrum to choose from, an Old Testament verse, a psalm, a gospel, and the epistle. And Haynes and I committed to each other, that we were going to do the gospel text during the season of Epiphany. So literally, I had no choice <laughs> but to do this text. And when I dove into it on Monday, I thought, all right, this is a challenge, you know? And so my three on the Enneagram got very, very big for this challenge. So uh, we are in the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. And the Epiphany is the season in between Christmas tide and Lent when the light of Christ is found in surprising places and where we go on a journey to find the light of Christ, like the wise men did, the Magi, as they traveled all that way following a star and found uh, Jesus, the incarnated God. And so uh, here we are in the sixth Sunday, and uh, we are in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount actually, 
And Jesus says some things that if you're honest, you sort of have to say, really? Like, does he, okay, so this is an all play question. And you can, you can shout it out, yes, you can raise your hand. But if Jesus ever bugs you, go ahead and raise that hand high. All right? If Jesus sometimes seems a little over the top, thank you very much. This would be one of those times. So you have to ask a question like, what is he doing? If you call someone an idiot, basically, Jesus is saying you're going to hell. If you lust, just go ahead and gouge out one of your eyes because it's better to be one-eyed than going to hell. Uh, if you uh, have a problem stealing, cut off your right hand because it's better to be one-handed than living a life in hell. If you've gotten a divorce and you've remarried, congratulations, you're committing adultery. <laughs> Way to go. And if you've ever promised anyone to do something but you never did it, you come from the evil one. I mean, can you imagine talking to your kids like that? You said you would put on your, wow, you said you would put on your shoes on time, and you didn't. You're from the evil one. <laughs> now, some of you have said that to your kids, so, you know, there is that. <laughs> but, have you ever gotten so sick of yourself so tired of your inability to change? Have you ever been so weary about that thing that keeps coming up in your life and getting it right and getting it wrong seems to have blurred into sort of a malaise of maybe depression? Have you ever felt like you're already living in hell? Have you ever gotten so sick of the hate and judgment that you see in the world that you felt like, you know, whatever else hell is, I can't imagine it's a whole lot worse than this. So Jesus has something to say to us who are at the end of our rope with ourselves and with the world. And this text is that. He has something to, to say to us to save us from the hell that we're living in. So I have a friend named Ferg Breen. Everybody say Ferg with an Irish accent. He's from Dublin. And uh, I love this guy. He's a pastor. He's a psychologist. And he writes this weekly blog called The Revolectionary. He follows the Revised Common Lectionary. And every week he writes a blog on the gospel text. And so this is what he wrote on this one. I asked him for permission to share it. He said, uh, yes, go ahead. So he writes this. We remind ourselves that Matthew, which is what this text is taken from, is making the claim that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah and that he's greater than Moses. As Moses delivered the Ten Commandments, here Jesus is delivering his kingdom constitution. And he's not scoffing at Moses or making light of it. He's doing what great teachers of faith do. He's wrestling with the ancient text. He's affirming the law, and he's also applying it to his current context. 
He's fleshing it out outside of the confines of right and wrong, linear thinking, and he's letting no one off the hook. That's what Jesus is doing here in this beguiling text. And I think what he's doing is he's saying, as human beings, we are progressing in our ability to understand God, understand each other, and in how we treat one another. My kingdom is moving us toward things like reconciliation and treating each other with honor and dignity instead of discarding each other, taking oaths seriously, making sure that integrity is what keeps us to our word, not just a promise. Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, we're learning how to live more like the way God wanted us to live in the beginning. That's where we're going. It's progressing that way. So, and remember, Jesus said a couple verses earlier in the text that Steve preached last week. By the way, Haynes last week. I was gone, but um, everybody I talked to said this guy killed it, nailed it, and that he should preach every week. So I said, I like the first part of what you said. Kidding. Uh, so let's talk about anger. Anger. I was listening to this song this week, and this one line just kept, uh, I, I thought was so brilliant uh, for the times in which we live. It's, the song is by the brilliance. song is See the Love. And the line is, headline breaks, and we start to hate again. Calling them names again, we give our peace away. Headline breaks, and we start to hate again. Calling them names again, we give our peace away. I don't know if I've read anything more poignant lately for the times in which we live than that statement right there. No matter what vantage point you come from, politically, religiously, or in the world of just humanity, we're reading headlines now, and we have these trigger reactions. And typically, they move us toward hating a person or a group of people. And to that, Jesus would say, you've heard it said in church, love your enemies. But I say to you, anyone who snarkily retweets an opposing tweet is in danger of the fires of hell. To which you might say, that's a little over the top. But remember, we're progressing as human beings in the kingdom of Jesus so that we are actually, as followers of Jesus, called to work hard for justice, but to never demonize a person or a group of people. And to those of us who are guilty of that, we have one of two options. We can say, well, forget it. I'm just gonna keep going down that road of anger and hatred. Or you can say, okay, I'm gonna get to the root of injustice. And I'm gonna pray to the God that is moving everything, all of humanity, this whole earth toward righteousness and justice. And I'm gonna follow Jesus into that realm. And I'm gonna do it as a follower of Jesus. 
So I think Jesus is saying here, you're voluntarily entering into hell when you insist on engaging and deciding about others and judging that you're right and good while they're wrong and bad. And it doesn't mean that there isn't right and wrong. There is right and wrong. But on the basis of one statement, when you say, I don't agree with that, so I'm in the right, you're in the wrong, you start a snowball moving down the mountain of judgment and hate that ends up living in that judgment and hate. And what you dole out is doled out back to you. And that's what Jesus is saying. Like, why would you voluntarily choose to live there? C.S. Lewis said, hell has um, a, a door and people lock it from the inside, <laughs> meaning it's your choice. You choose to live that way. But Jesus is saying, okay. So if you're trying to say, okay, hey, I haven't ever shot and killed someone, I'm good. <laughs> He's just saying, well, to what degree are you still living in judgment? Because let's get you free of that. And so um, wouldn't it be amazing, like really, to step outside of yourself and to say that I'm no longer hooked by every comment that's made by a coworker that I don't like, by a political party that I don't like, by a family member that I don't like, what about if I could really live in the freeing grace of saying, I'm, you, I'm me, you're you, I'm gonna love you because you're a person that's made in the image of God and my one job on planet Earth is to ascribe to you unsurpassable worth because that's what Jesus does. That's my job. Instead of saying, well, it's my job to judge you, it's my job to decide whether or not you're right and wrong, it's not my job. It's not your job. And Jesus is trying in this teaching about anger to pull us out of the snowball of judgment so that we can be free to love God, to love ourselves, and to love each other. Why wouldn't we choose that? Because, Amen. Because it's so much easier to just retweet and... And so, anger... Nobody's off the hook. I think Jesus is saying where it's going, where the kingdom of God is pulling us, is toward reconciliation. There's that big, long chunk in there about if you are going to present your offering, this very religious act, I'm gonna present my offering at the altar, look at me, nothing wrong with that. But then you remember on the way, oh man, I really treated that person bad. And even this is not some like ironclad law. It's just saying like, don't think that by just placing your gift on the altar that you're off the hook. It's actually going back to the person that you offended or that offended you and working as much as you can toward reconciliation. That's where the kingdom of God is going. And that's where we're being pulled into. Does that make sense? So let's talk about adultery and lust. Because why wouldn't we? That's fun. So five gold stars for anyone in this room that has never committed adultery. Don't raise your hand. Just five gold stars. Way to go. You did it. 
500 gold stars for anyone who has never looked at someone and said, mm-hmm. 500. That's a lot of gold stars. If that's you, way to go. You did it so far. 5,000 gold stars for anyone who has done all those things all the way and back and thinks the gold star system is broken. Amen? So I think what Jesus is saying here is he's trying to get at it like, okay, you say you follow the law perfectly? Awesome. Way to go. But I tell you, if you've ever consumed someone with your eyes and never even said a word about it, it's even worse. And you'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, that's not hurting anybody. But Jesus is saying, when you consume each other, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting them, you're hurting society because we're interconnected. You're actually not just this individual that's, that's existing outside of the ecosystem of humanity. Our actions, my actions, have an effect on humanity. And Jesus is saying, um, so... Good news for any of you who have done all those things. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden with all these religious rules and with following the law that you could never keep anyway, and I will give you forgiveness, redemption, rest, and a new heart. That's where the world is going. Jesus is saying, why would you voluntarily live in that kind of slavery and bondage, feeling guilty, acting out. Here's the cycle of adultery, shame, lust. You feel empty, so you want, you want a fix. You want a hit of something, so you go toward that thing. might be pornography. might be just looking at someone, uh, and then for about five seconds, nirvana, and then you feel terrible about yourself. And then you feel empty again, and then you go back. And that's the cycle. And Jesus is saying that cycle is living in hell. It is, and you know it is. Why would you voluntarily go there? But he's also saying you can't get out of that cycle just by saying, all right, sign me up for the purity club. I'm in. I'm working for stars. Can I get five gold stars if I go a whole week without doing it? Whatever it is, and Jesus would say, like, oh, man, oh, it's so great. If you went a week without doing it, I'd love it, love you. But you're never going to change. You're never going to be free. You're never going to be free unless you get a gift from me of forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation. So that, Tori, you, you understand that there's a better way to live. There's a free way to live, Jesus is saying. And it's not the, the gold star system. See, where humanity is going in the kingdom of God is honoring each other instead of consuming each other. 
honoring each other, lifting each other up instead of consuming each other. So let's just stop and do an all play question. What do I mean when I say consuming each other? It's an all play. Using someone for personal gain. Thanks, Bob. Objectifying someone. Yes. Disrespecting. Thanks, Ron. Manipulating, seeing someone uh, as only what they can do for you. And you start, like, these are great definitions, right? And you start to see, like, consuming is a whole lot more than lust. It's like when you start getting mad at the barista because they didn't make your, make your coffee fast enough or right, you're consuming them. Oh. Did you have to nail me? <laughs> <laughs> I did, Bob. I did. Can't believe they spelled my name wrong on my cup. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> oh, okay. So Jesus would say, you've heard it say, don't look at a woman lustfully, but I tell you, don't get mad at the barista for taking a long time delivering you your coffee that you just spent $5 for. So, you know what I mean? And that's not to make you feel guilty. It's just to say, oh, it's really that expansive. And I really can live free. I really can live free. I want to live free. Because then it drives you to, what do I want? I, I don't want to be shackled to sin, and I don't want to be shackled to the law. They're both bondage. I want to be free. Amen? That's where Jesus is going. That's what he's saying that humanity is moving toward in the kingdom of God. So let's talk about divorce. Because why wouldn't you? In the first century, women were property of men. So a man could divorce a woman for burning his toast, for not being enjoyable in the bedroom, for any number of reasons. He could just divorce a woman, and when a woman got divorced from a man, there, there wasn't, before the law of Moses, there wasn't even the system of giving her a certificate which would allow her to get remarried, which would allow her to not die. And so, um, there was a law that said give her a certificate. And that was actually the law of Moses. That was actually, for the time, an extremely liberating, gracious law. It seems really bizarre to believe that that could be liberating. But in that day, it really was. So she could remarry again. But Jesus is saying there's a much greater consequence in the first century. He's giving power to women. He's making it hard for men to cast off women for any old reason. And so Jesus is actually going after men in this particular one. And he's saying, don't you dare discard her because she burned the toast. And so you've heard it say, uh, give, a, give a certificate, but I'm gonna hold you to a whole lot higher level than that. He would say, if you discard your wife because she no longer pleases you, then you're living in a hell and you're sending her to hell. So don't do that, Jesus would say. And Jesus would say to us, I tell you to love your wife, to serve her, 
to listen to her, to lift her up, because there's lots of ways to discard, isn't there? Without getting a divorce, lots of ways. So Jesus is saying, why would you voluntarily want to live in that kind of hell? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to live according to the, the kingdom economics of when I lift you up, I am free? That's how it is. When I serve you and lift you up, I become more and more free, and so do you. So Jesus is saying, where it's going is self-sacrificial love instead of discarding. That's where it's going. And then oaths. Let your words be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the, eagle, from the evil one. At least he's not sending us to hell on this one, right? I think this is this sermon, I've said the word hell more than my entire 20 years of sermons. Um, I blame Jesus for that because it's right there in the text. Well, uh, there was this bizarre in the first century and, and before that, this bizarre hierarchy of oaths where uh, the only oath that really mattered that really would hold you to your word is if you made an oath in the name of God. So there's all these oaths that you could give that if you were really technical, where you could, you could give an oath um, by a name that sounded like God, but it wasn't totally God, so that when someone said, okay, now it's time for you to you know, say what you did, you could say, well, <laughs> actually, I have a loophole. I don't really need to fulfill it because I, I, I didn't swear by God, I swore by this other thing. And then the person would be like, and then there's this actual judicial system that put that in place by Pharisees and lawgivers. So Jesus is just saying, enough of that. That's ridiculous that you guys are swearing in my name and other people's names, God's name. I, I tell you, have integrity. Do what you say you'll do. Don't swear by God. Don't swear by anything. And when he says, don't swear by your head, people used to do these Nazarite vows where they would let their hair grow out and it was like the sign of holiness. And for most people, it was this, you know, the, like a one-year thing. But some people took it past a year and it was like this way of saying like, look at me and my long hair. I'm so holy. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, nice hair, but your hair doesn't make you holy. Because you can't really make your, did you read that thing? Like, you can't make a hair white or black. And did anyone think, yeah, I can. <laughs> I totally can. I've done that. That has to do with cleanness and uncleanness. Cleanness and uncleanness. You, you, you can't, by growing your hair out or by cutting your hair, make yourself clean, God is saying. So don't, don't swear by anything. Just do what you say you'll do. Because where we're going is total integrity and apologizing when you don't instead of trying to trick people and steal their trust. My friend Ferg wrote this this week in his blog. Jesus never gives us 10-step rules on how to get to heaven, but he does give us the hard and messy guidelines on how to live now, how to avoid hell of our own making now. Jesus teaches us how to live now in this broken, messy, heartbreaking, yet beautiful, hopeful, and wonderful world. He inspires us to reconcile, not to create an other. 
The talk of adultery and divorce and swearing falsely, if I'm getting what Jesus is saying, makes me look at my own relationships and how I am navigating them, especially when they get messy. Knowing that Jesus is the enfleshment of God, that he came to us in our messy world of relationships and brokenness gives me hope that he understands that his heart here is not a checklist, but a guide map of how to be pure in heart, all the while giving us permission to be poor at being spiritual while seeking to love even our supposed enemies because I need all the help I can get, amen? So this list, as bizarre as it sounds, it's not a checklist for how to be righteous or get to heaven. It's a way of saying none of us are off, none of us are off the hook. And why would you voluntarily live in a hell of your own making? Why wouldn't you move toward where God is taking humanity? Forgiveness and re- reconciliation and redemption, which is offered to you so that you can offer it to others. Why wouldn't you live that free? Why wouldn't you want to live that free? So it all comes down, as so much of Jesus' teachings does, to this question, what do you want? Because you can have it. Whatever you want, you can have. You want to live in judgment? You got it. You want freedom? You got it. What do you want? So let's move into um, the prayers of response. And then we'll move into a minute of silence. And then we'll move into the Eucharist. I know there's lots to think about from that sermon. There's lots for me to think about from that sermon. So I encourage you to do that work. And get with people who love you. And move toward where God is taking humanity. Reconciliation, redemption, forgiveness. So pray the prayers of response with me. Hear the true word of the Lord. This is the unending way to God. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. Jesus, you didn't move to the right or to the left, not one time. Your mission was always to seek out and fulfill your father's heart. May it be so with us. That's right, people of God, don't go off on your own. Walk straight along the road he set. You, God, prescribed the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. God, you are kind and generous. You're slow to anger and bountiful in mercy. Inspire us to live the way you have designed us to. Oh, that our steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set then we'd never have any regrets in comparing our life with your wisdom. We thank you for speaking straight from your heart. We're learning the pattern of your righteous ways. We're gonna do what you tell us to do. Don't ever walk off and leave us. Please, Lord, let us be known as the community who can fix anything. Oh, that we would know how to heal the present from the rubble of the past. All for your glory and pleasure. Amen. Let's take 60 seconds of silence where we open up our hearts so that God might speak to us where we actually are. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us now.